So welcome back to Podex. Our guest for today is Anand Ahuja. I've been, I've been waiting for months to see this podcast happening and it's finally happening here. I'm super excited. So Anand bhai, let's dive into this podcast. We I want to talk about fashion, I want to talk about entrepreneurship, I want to talk about sports. There's just so much to talk and there's so much of value to gain from you and I'm super excited. Yeah man, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for being patient. Yeah, nice so to talk I to you. Wanted to start with the first mail which I sent you, which is a backstory maybe for the audience who is listening to this or something. So I remember actually yeah. the first time I mailed you, you got back to me in like forty three or forty four minutes, and that was really one of the coolest things for me at that moment. And I remember coming across you through an article uh, which I read at some, which I read on the web. So that is really cool about you, and I appreciate that a lot of you about you. No man, thank you. And I was, I'm actually like with emails. I'm a little bit um, cyclical. Like I try, I respond to all my emails, but um, sometimes I fall behind. You know, if I'm either if it's traveling or if I have certain meetings, and I, I don't like, I don't check my emails on my phone. So I check everything on um, like my iPad or my computer. So I don't like check emails when I'm on the move. So. Um, you know, some days I fall behind, then I get back to people slowly, but I always get back. And then I think when your email came, I was just sort of in a, in the mode of getting through my email. So that's why I was able to get back to you quickly. So I want to start off on how do you get the idea of Bhani and Wedge non-Wedge? Um, well, you know, it doesn't happen at once necessarily. Um, Bhani was, I grew up, you know, in my family is apparel manufacturing. So I grew up seeing clothes always being made and mostly for export. So I always had that exposure. And um, when uh, when I went to school, then I went, to, I left when I was 18 and I went to college and worked in New York and then MBA and stuff. And uh, I, I guess in my mind, I used to always think about coming back to India and working on a brand. So when I was younger, he used to also tell, tell my dad, you know, we should do a brand. And he would say that, look, it's not my interest, but if it's your interest, you should you should do it, you know? And so I had in my mind, I never really thought anything of it until I was working at, at Amazon. Um, and um, I thought about, I saw the power of online retail when I was there. And that's when I decided to come back to India. And I didn't necessarily even plan to, I didn't even necessarily plan to like come to India and start the brand right away. I planned to come and work. And then the Bhane just started on the side. So that was, you know, that was one thing that started on the side. And VNV, Veg on Veg was, um, I was a hobby, you know, I always like grew up playing basketball and, and, and like looking forward to what sneaker I'm going to buy that summer for the rest of the year to play basketball in and stuff. And so um, I was working with a, this guy, Avinit, who's the creative, uh, who's the founder of uh, one of the co-founders of Brewhouse, which is a creative agency that Bhane was working with. So um, him and I became good friends and we used to talk about a sneaker lounge to share our love for sneakers. And that's how, VNV started, but um, yeah, you know, stuff happens over a long period of time. I always loved, I always loved sneakers, and I, and uh, I always wanted to create a brand for India because I always saw apparel being made for export. So it's like you know, over many many years, it's not something that happens overnight. Firstly, you know, you're also known as the sneaker OG of India, right? The, your love for sneakers, almost <laughs> every sneaker lover knows who Anand Ahuja is. Like this is weird, but you know, you are known as different people, like different people as in. The sneaker lovers of India know, know you as the sneaker OG of India. Then there are basketball yeah. lovers who know you as Anand Ahuja, the basketball lover. I think you're a Lakers fan, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 I am. So, you know, I grew up um, playing, you know, back then in India, we didn't have access to all the games like we do now, you know, on League Pass and stuff. So um, we used to just get a couple games a week. And so they used to always show Lakers games and they showed Bulls games. So, you know, growing up, I saw um, saw Lakers and I saw Kobe's first All-Star. Actually, I didn't even see Kobe's rookie year. But in his sophomore year, he was, uh, he played in the All-Star game. Uh, rookie year, he played, he was in the dunk contest. Um, which I don't really remember that vividly, but his sophomore year, he was in the All-Star game. And um, and I just like really, really caught my attention. You know, MJ was there and all this stuff. And I was like, who is this kid? And since then, I've been hooked to Kobe and the Lakers, you know? So it's, it's yeah, that's why. Uh, I have a friend who follows NBA a lot, a lot more than I do. I actually don't watch too much of basketball, but he follows a lot. And he was like coming up to me when I told him about you. He was the first thing which came was Anand Bhai is Anand Bhai is a Lakers fan, but Kings is the best team. That's what he told me, and he was like, "Could you tell Who's that?" Who's the to best him? team? Kings. Who's the best team? Kings. So yeah, that's what he told me. Kings, Kings is not the best team. <laughs> no, Lakers and Kings had this like mini rivalry going on for a few years. Maybe that's what he means. But um, yeah. I, you know, look, I, I'm a basketball fan. You know, so since. Um, Obviously, Kobe retired. I, you know, I obviously still like the Lakers and stuff, but it really became about basketball. Um, you know, you can't, it's hard for anyone to have an affiliation with one player as strong as, like, you know, usually every, every person has an affiliation with one player. It's hard to replicate that. So, um, I, you know, I, I love seeing LeBron and Lakers, but I just generally love seeing basketball. Like, the Kings were in India um, this time last year. And I was happy to be at the game. I was, you know, grateful to be at the game and support them. And, and um, you know, obviously they're doing a lot. Their owner is doing a lot to bring basketball to India. So, uh, you know, I definitely am a fan of that organization. Just a big fan of basketball overall. I really like what the Clippers are doing. You know, they've got um, this guy, Jerry Buss, who's, a G, who's an advisor to them. He was a GM of the Lakers, and he's the one that brought Kobe on. So, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot um, going there's a lot going on in the, in the in the sport, which I'm happy to see. Uh, so I want to get back to the topic which you were discussing. You worked in the what was one thing that you learned from Amazon while working over there that helped you grow Pane? Um, I mean Amazon. There's so much. Amazon saw the power of online retail. You know, that in itself was what sort of became the platform for Pane. So just seeing how powerful. And then the, Amazon also really focused on customer service. They were very clear on what their goal was. And uh, every meeting that they had started with that goal. So Amazon, their biggest thing is the customer. And so every meeting they had, they would say, okay, what would the customer, what would benefit the customer? Um, and that would be, and then they would work on how do we get to that solution? So they were, they were great that way. Um, and that's something that I definitely carried over into Bhane is just being very clear on what your vision is and every decision you make should move you towards that vision. You know? But how did you grow Bhane as a brand? Like you started the company, what's the next thing? What happened next? How did you create uh, energy around it? How do you create those uh, telling people that there's this new brand that has started or something? Was it ad ads or what was it? No, we didn't do any ads. I see, um, it started on the side. So it was very much like, you know, on the side business, like, you know, we, I was just learning and I was just making stuff for us, the people I worked with at Shahi and, and us to wear, you know? So it wasn't really, we weren't trying to make it that big first. We just were trying to make it for young creatives, you know? 
and so our photo shoot was quite simple everything was quite simple we didn't do any ads our team was small and um i think the only thing that made it grow was um was just a focus on what you were trying to achieve and it resonated with people and um you know we grew but then it also slowed down you know a little bit in the middle so when you lose that as soon as we sort of diluted our vision that also slowed down the growth so it sort of went back into we've never really done ads for bhane uh we experiment with some instagram stuff now but it wasn't about um how much to grow it it was about how focused you can be so you know they say like you would much rather have um you know you would much rather have focus on getting a thousand loyal customers instead of 10000 regular customers you know if you can get the loyalty from even a thousand people then you go okay how do i make that 2000 people uh and that's how you know like we focus on the brand that's how we focus on vnv also it's just you know how do we cater to the people that love the story of sneakers like abinit and i did you know so um that was always the focus so it was not really about how to grow it or how to it's more about how do we reach more people that share the same you know uh interests that we have for for vnv and for bhane both so i this question just popped up in my mind what does bhane mean means rising sun so it's a gurmukhi word it means a uh, rising sun yeah i didn't actually when i first um thought of it it just sort of came to me but um i didn't really like it but sort of kept it stuck with me for a reason i didn't really like it because uh i don't know like it um it was hard to say no one i didn't know what it meant properly it was b and h is weird but then for those same reasons why i started loving it because uh no because no one knew what it meant so i mean no one had a preconceived notion of what they expected to see from the brand you know so that all those things sort of added up together to make it a name that i grew to love but in the beginning i didn't originally love you know so um there were some thoughts which i told you about this in the mail also which were running in my mind uh, around due to covid there are a lot of brands that are closing down they have shut down their stores and all that stuff so do you think there's like what what do you think is going to happen next what's next do you think there's a gap for a new merchandise brand to rise do you think new companies will be able to use all the smaller ones will be growing faster what's going to happen next what are your thoughts on this um no see in this time there's one statement i read which is the most sort of encompassing it says any trend you saw happening before covid has been expedited so you saw a movement to um online retail that's gotten faster you saw a movement to a uh, movement away from stores that's gone faster so some brands some brands are dry, dying um that are that haven't really mobilized into online retail or into online and other brands are growing that were initially online you know so there's always space like the world is changing all the time so it's never Actually that's the one thing that you know I learned from my dad he used to say when I used to tell him that well, let's do a brand for retail for India you know um and uh he would say you can do it when you want but it's not my interest you know for me to do it on my own so I would say no but now is the right time he said there's there's never a right time or a wrong time if you have a good idea the market will always accept it you know and that's that's the truth like if if you have a good genuinely good idea the market will find space for it you know and whether you're creating a new market or taking someone else's spot in the market um that'll always be the case so there's never a rush to say that um you know this but you want to work with urgency but you don't want to rush anything you know 
So yeah, that's the, coming to that part. You told this to me on the email also that what, this is one of the biggest advice which you gave me, and it stuck with me is to not rush with things and till twenty five just focus on learning new stuff rather than monetizing or anything. So could you elaborate a bit on that? Well, see, there's no you can't necessarily put a number to it. Like um, for me, I moved back when I was twenty five, but um, for other people, it'll be different. It'll be later. It could be earlier. Um, you know, different paths. But the th- the main thing is that um, you have to be very clear in, in why you're doing something. And if that's unclear, then that will catch up with you. So that means you're probably rushing it a little bit. You know, uh, once that becomes clear, then how you work on it becomes much easier. Now everyone's journey is a little bit different, but the main path it's you know it's not necessarily even my advice. That's what I learned from my dad, where he used to say. The market will always accept a good idea. So you you want to wait till your idea is a really solid, mature idea, and the market will accept it. You know, um, and that's what it means by not rushing. So you might have a great idea at seventeen, and you could say, okay, cool, and I, I'm going to work on it. I mean, like you know, Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg started in his link. I mean, he was at Harvard. I don't remember what year he started, but he left before he finished. And um, so it's different for different people. You know. What has changed in twenty-five-year-old Anand than now thirty-seven-year-old Anand? Uh, what's changed between twenty-five and twenty-seven? Thirty-seven, thirty-seven. I think you're thirty-seven right now, right? Thirty-seven. I'm thirty-five. So twenty-five oh, and thirty-five. Early, yeah, the ten-year. No, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Um, twenty-five and thirty-five. I mean, I think stuff changes like day to day. Really, you know, I I don't know. What specifically between those ten years? But twenty-five, I just moved to India. Um, Thirty-five, working on different things. But I think patience is one of those things you have to keep building. You know, it's not, and I don't think people are necessarily born with patience. So that's definitely one thing. Um, obviously, I met Sonam when I was thirty. So uh, you know, that's that's a big thing. A lot more sort of awareness that you get only when you meet a partner. You know, um, but. Otherwise, I mean, inherently, I feel like very similar still, but um, you know, you learn uh, you you learn a lot about yourself when you're with a partner. So that's different ages for different people. I don't know what would have changed specifically with age, specifically in those ten years, but more in the circumstances, you know. But um, so you know, there's this. I read this somewhere in a book. I can't remember where which book, but I think there was a part. It said that. You know, as we grow older, there are different phases. Like from zero to ten, there's one phase. Um, then I think the teen years, there's another phase. Then as we get in our twenties, there's another phase. And from every phase, a part of our, you know, a part of our character stays with us. So, what is that um, teenager Anand Ahuja that has stayed with you till date? And even the pre early as a kid phase. It's like people say the child in everyone is alive, but they don't see it. It's because of that phase. We do have that phase within ourselves, that part of that character, but we just don't perceive it. So, which part of that is alive in Anand today? The teen? You mean the teenage? Yeah, the teenage and the uh, the smaller Anand, which is maybe five to twelve. Those two phases, both. I mean, I think that's the main thing. Like everyone needs to stay in touch with that age group. Uh, with that age of themselves, because that's the most truly part of yourself. For me, it's, uh, I mean, with the teenagers, basketball. You know, that's something that I still play and still get excited about, and I still, 
make sure I make time for it because it, it keeps me that that's more teenage, but with, with, um, with even like, you know, with younger, it's important for everyone. And that's some people, a lot of people lose over time. And for me, that's been something I reconnected with since I met Sonam because she's so lighthearted and that, uh, playfulness and lightheartedness is something that I had lost, um, you know, outside of basketball, I lost it in sort of everyday to day life. So that's something that I'm, that I've reconnected with because, because of Sonam, you know, where she herself is so lighthearted and, and, um, you know, brings me back to that part of myself also. So a lot of our audience and a lot of people in India also perceive Anand Ahuja as a style icon. So could you give us three top three style rules or style tips? Um, <clears throat> style. Just, I mean, look, it's different for everyone. I think the, you know, at when, when I was younger, I used to try and, you know, you look at certain things and emulate and, uh, you know, so I could say like be yourself, but at some times actually you need to emulate what you see so you can learn what your style is, you know? So I definitely, you know, everyone is moved by seeing certain trends. So I saw certain trends that appealed to me that I tried that I look back, I'm like, okay, I don't know what I was thinking, but that's also part of it. So I think the, the main thing is, you know, you don't, uh, don't be hard on yourself. That's the easy thing. And you know, for some people it's fun. So if for me, it's fun. So, uh, the recommendation I would give to myself is ha enjoy it, you know, for someone else, it is not fun. And then in that case, then don't force yourself, you know, um, in that case, just if it's, you know, don't, don't force yourself because someone's telling you, if you enjoy it, you should do it. If you don't enjoy it, then keep it simple. So the main thing is main thing becomes that like Sonam obviously loves, she loves it. Her and Rhea love it. And, and, um, <clears throat> you know, so they that's the recommendation you give to them to sort of enjoy it you know and not let it become too serious and for me also i used to experiment a lot more um, than i do now now i don't experiment as much but i found a sort of a comfort area that i like and and then um you know for each person it's each person is different so i guess if it's a single piece of advice is that don't be like don't feel bad or don't judge yourself or don't feel afraid to be different, you know, whatever works for you is a thing like style, you know, putting effort into dressing isn't everyone's interest and you shouldn't feel like it has to be, you know. So basically you don't follow any trends and you just wear what's comfortable for you. Is that? Well, I think everyone follows trends to some level because you see it all around you. So even unconscious, subconsciously, you, you follow it um, to some level, you know, um, but some people don't like to. And uh, for the advice is, no one has to, you know, it's just that you should see what matters to you. And for some people, they really like, you know, using uh, clothing or shoes or accessories or to express their beliefs or their, their personality. And that's great. And for some people, they don't. And they, so other things will express that for them. And that's great also. You know, ultimately, it's, it's just that, like, you know, clothing is it, just a way of expression. And uh, for, and sneakers is the same thing, and you know hairstyles the same thing, and tattoos and uh, and um, jewelry and whatever. Everything is just a way of expressing yourself, you know. So for some people, clothing is a big part of it. Some people, it's not. That's just sort of how it is, you know. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to dive into a question which I'm pretty sure you're going to love, which is on your prized possessions, your three best sneakers which you own. 
Mm. So the one, the first one that comes to mind is definitely uh, the first like really important sneaker that we had at VNV back in 2016, which is a Jordan One uh, bread, which we which was re-releasing in 2016. And so we um, VNV had that as the first camp out ever in, in India. Uh, and so uh, that's definitely one. Um, number two is probably the first shoe Sonam got me, which is um, this Adidas 3D printed, um, it's called a 3D runner. So it's that's like a, a triple black 3D printed um, Adidas shoe. And I love, I love sort of innovation and, and technology. So that's the second one. And, the, and I'm just saying like off, you know, and I guess the third one probably becomes, I've always loved the Flyknit um, and the Knit program. So Nike and Adidas came out with their Knit program in uh, 2012 Olympics in London. And um, they, Knits was huge for the industry because they moved from, they moved into what's effectively like a, you know, it's single piece uppers, so there's no cutting. So you you you're knitting the, sh the the top of the shoe together, and Nike came out with four four colors, I think, and Adidas came out with one color, and that program I have both the shoes that they first released, and um, so the Adidas Prime Knit is really nice actually, and the the Nike Fly Knit, the trainer which I actually wore at um, my wedding also, so I I think they they sort of become number number three especially that Nike one since I wore it, you know, I guess. But, you know, uh, what's funny is that at the wedding, I wore that one um, on the wedding day. But the Mandy day, day, the day before, I was actually wearing this, uh, this um, Addy shoe uh, that, you know, just sort of how it goes. No one really, it didn't really get photographed or anything, but it's the Pharrell, um, Pharrell Holy Consortium shoe, the all white one, which, uh, you know, it's like the first sort of, India first sneaker that's come out by a major brand. So that's also a very meaningful shoe. I, d I didn't really have, you know, I wasn't really involved in it in any way, obviously, but um, Deepika, who is the CEO for Pane now, she was at Adidas then and that was a big project of hers. So that's, you know, a really sort of meaningful shoe for India generally for, you know, for me to see it happen as a, as a you know, as a onlooker, I guess. I just wanted to interrupt you in the middle. Wait, I'm just curious. Wait, so you were Sherwani on top and was it sneakers or were you, uh, the, this is like before the wedding when you were casually roaming around or what was it? You were the No, I was, um, I was supposed to. So basically what I would do is I would have like these formal shoes that I would mostly wear. Then I would change at some point into sneakers during the party or whatever. So the Mandy day I had, uh, you know, I was wearing um, this thing from, uh, this, you know, white uh, or cream white outfit. And I was wearing these brown shoes <clears throat> from Xenia, I think. And I changed into these holy pharrells. And then the next day, I was supposed to wear these black, beautiful, like, um, Zenia, I think also Xenia shoes uh, with my with my Ferrani. And, um, and uh, just teasingly to Sonam, I, I wore my sneakers. And I said, I'm going to go like this. And she said, no, but you know, just joking me, I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to become a big thing. Like I didn't realize it was going to be photographed in that way. So I was just, I was going to change into them later, but I just wore them earlier. Just liked it. And yeah, so uh, you can Google that actually. It became like this big thing, I guess, a uh, few years ago now, three years ago. Almost. Wait, but ago, do, yeah. do you want a pair of Stan Smith? 
Stansmiths, yeah. I mean, I think everyone has everyone has Stansmiths. I I don't have I don't know if I have one in my closet right now, but but um, oh, I have a pair of Stansmiths. Actually, Dipika gifted me like this pair of Stansmith um, for for my wedding, so I have that pair of Stansmith version right now. But they have these new vegan ones coming out, which is pretty cool. Um, uh, could you explain what vegan ones? As in? It's like made of a vegan leather instead of uh, real leather. So the new Adidas has this new like big vegan and and um, sustainable program going on. So uh, yeah, excited to see that. Okay, so now this is one thing which I really wanted to know. You have so much to manage up and all that stuff, and you also you get a lot of DMs, mails, and all that stuff. So what is the first thought that? Uh, what is the last thought you have while you're going to bed, and what is the first thought you get when you wake up in the morning? Um, first thought when I go to bed and first thing I wake up in the morning, um, I try not to, <clears throat> I try not to like, I try not to like look at my phone or anything like that in the morning for the first maybe 45 minutes that I'm awake. So usually wake up, um, and I actually like do, I, I do like a little brainstorm. So, uh, they call it like a brain dump where you just write whatever's on your mind. So I try to do that every morning when I wake up, um, especially during the weekdays, like when I'm in routine. Weekends, if I sleep and then stuff, then I'm not as good about it. So in the morning, I actually try and every day it's different. Like I, I just write down whatever comes to my head. Sometimes I'm thinking about work. Sometimes it's I I write down like what I think in a, what I thought in a dream or whatever it is. It's all like it's different every day. When I go to sleep, it's... Um, I, I try to end my day with like a little of a, this gratitude practice where you just remember what happened in the day and you just, you know, when you think about what's happened in the day, there's so much that's happened, gone your way that you don't acknowledge. Like, you know, something as simple as, okay, you know, like I woke up on time, I got the work, the main work I wanted to get done, done. I got a workout in, I had a good workout. I got, you know, I got really good, um, you know, uh, food in that, made me feel good, nothing I reacted to negatively, you know. <clears throat> I had a nice conversation with my parents or with Sonam or whatever it is, you know, like all those things, the small things that you don't realize because, you know, any one day, one of that goes wrong. Like let's say you wake up late or let's say you don't finish the work you want to finish or you have some food that doesn't sit well with you or you have a fight with, you know, an argument with your partner or your friend or your, your family. Like they just completely, you know, throws your day off. So you think about it on the days it's bad, but you don't think about it on the days it's good. So that's usually how I end my day. So just a sort of little bit of a reflection of that. So that's what I try and do. What do you do? Like what happens if you, when you're doing a self-reflection and then you notice that you've done something bad maybe, or you've done something negative, what do you do about it the next day? <clears throat> done something negative as in? Um, so let's say you maybe you were maybe off in the mood. You spoke maybe rudely to someone at that moment. You didn't get that part. Then after some time, when you realize it, it's already, it's already night. So what do you do about it? Like do you yeah. call up that person at that moment. Do you call next day? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually, so I don't keep my phone on my bedside. So what I'll usually do is either if it's really like something that I need to do, then I'll, I'll head to the other room and, and message that person um, 
uh, I won't call them because usually it's like, you know, if it's at night then you don't know if they're asleep or not or whatever. So I message that person or I'll email if it's an email thing or I message or whatever it is. So I try and do it then only if I realize it at that time and I didn't realize it earlier. Uh, I try and do it at that time itself. Yeah. Cause I, I yeah. So I, I, I definitely don't leave it to the next day. Okay, so I wanted to talk about procrastination. How do you not let that come and affect you? Because for me and a lot of people out there, procrastination is a huge role. We are like, let's do it tomorrow and all that stuff. So how do you stop yourself from procrastinating? I mean, it's different for everyone, you know? Um, everyone procrastinates some level. It's just the biggest thing becomes like if you set goals for yourself, like, okay, I have to get this done today then you just have to get it done that day, you know, and it's, it's that simple. So it just becomes more like um, one, one piece of advice I got is like, do the hardest thing first. So whatever is the thing you least want to do, that's the hard work, do that first thing in the day. So it's just, I think it's just that goal to say, okay, I have to get it done. I have to get it done, you know? So um, marriage is a leap. It's a huge leap and changes a lot of things. It changes up. It changes a lot of stuff. So I'm not sure. So I can't say much. But so, what is one positive impact that this marriage had on you, which has changed you completely, in a positive way? No, I mean so much. Yeah, it, it's like having the having the right partner. It's it's uh, so valuable. Um, but it's like you know what we were discussing um, earlier. Just like reconnect you to your younger self, which is important. I mean, for me, that was important. For someone else, it might be something else. For someone else, it might be actually getting more mature or getting more serious, you know? So everyone is different. I think that's the uh, special part about having a great partner is that you complement each other and you challenge each other, whether that means to become more lighthearted or more serious, you know, either way. So now that you're 35 and as you're nearing 40, what are your plans for 40? when you're going into the next level. I don't know. I, know. I don't plan like by, by that. You know, you, they say like people underestimate what you can do in a day overestimate what you can do in a year. <laughs> and so I, I, don't, I don't know if I have a five year plan per se. It's just sort of, you have, you know, bigger, bigger goals and bigger, you know, things, but I don't think I have a date set on it like that. So I don't know by four, how 40 will change it, you know, in a sense. Okay, so I want to end this podcast with the last question, which is how does Anand Ahuja get his confidence from? So how do you get that energy? So what's your tip for someone who has lost confidence in life or him, on himself or something? Hmm. Um, see, like in basketball, we have this thing of like, get some uh, like layups, you know? So once you see the ball go through the hoop, you build your confidence. So I would say the same thing, like, you know, it's really important to like that self-reflection thing that happens at night when you acknowledge everything good that's happened is really powerful because, you know, you realize, okay, you're doing a lot of things right. You're just not acknowledging it, you know? So something as, something as simple as, you know, um, if you're a very timely person, you know, some people have a real issue with being on time to things and, you know, not turning things in on time, et cetera. So usually it's just first it starts off with acknowledgement of everything that's good that's happened and then you realize okay okay my life isn't like that you know that bad or to, to make me feel so low in confidence that's the first thing second thing is then you you get some easy wins so you start setting small goals 
say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And you start working towards those. And once you get those in, then you start building your goals. So in, in basketball, like they, they'll say, okay, if you're, if you're missing a lot, you try and get some layups. So some, you know, your, your team will set you up to get a couple of plays that can be some easy buckets, easy baskets. And then you, that helps open you up and build your confidence to do further shots and further shots, et cetera. No, so it's the same thing in sort of the rest of life, I guess. So Anand, thank you so much for being a part of this. I really had a great time. I, I hope you also had an amazing time being a part of this. Yeah, man. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these things are sort of so much different advice that I've learned from so many different people. Um, and a lot, you know, like really valuable stuff to me. So your questions really got, got uh, a lot of those pieces of advice out, which have, have structured the way I sort of do my day and, and do my work and how I think. So I'm happy to share it, you know, with, uh, with someone as young as you and, and your, your listeners and your friends and stuff. So hopefully there's something that they can, that resonates with them and, uh, you know, affects them positively. And then hopefully, um, you know, next time we speak, I would love to hear some feedback on things that maybe they say that I can learn from also, you know? So, uh, Thanks yeah, so much. Like Anand, you want to for me. tell them to subscribe? Do you want to tell them to subscribe to my podcast? Yeah, man. I'm happy to subscribe. Ayush is a smart, young, ambitious um, man with very, very curious man and uh, asks some great questions and really gets to the, the bottom of um, some things that can be really helpful for people to learn, like not necessarily life hacks, but build perspective and, and learn how to manage their own lives. So subscribe. Thank you so much, Adam, for